Good morning and welcome to Week on 3. I'm Janice Wong. Coming up in the next half hour, we'll look at some of the most interesting interviews on Radio 3 that you may have missed over the past week. Stay tuned to find out how you can reduce waste during your hotel quarantine and why Beethoven fans are in luck today. First though, the weather. Last month was one of the hottest in Hong Kong on record. But why? A question put to the assistant director of the observatory, Chan Pak Wai, on our Back Chat program. There's a weather system, what we call the subtropical ridge, which is a high pressure system over, normally over the western North Pacific. And then the, in this September, it extends more westwards and southwards compared with the climatological position. So that, uh, that's mean, that means that it covers over southern China. As a result, uh, we enjoy the periods, uh, long periods of sunshine and also the winds are light. And uh, that gives rise to the, the very hot situation. So is this a particularly unusual situation? Uh, not particularly unusual. Sometimes that can happen. But then uh, the uh, subtropical, ridge, subtropical ridge this time turns out to be quite strong and persistent. So that that can happen before, but then uh, it's just year-to-year uh, uh, -year variability. But then uh, for this particular year, it so happens that uh, it uh, persists over the area for a uh, uh, longer period of time. So, Mr. Chen, um, it is strange that we didn't really have uh, a big typhoon uh, this year yet. Uh, but we, we saw this uh, typhoon that moved slowly from Taiwan to Shanghai all the way up north, and it was a very strong typhoon, and so the air was affected in Hong Kong. But other than that... Uh, we didn't see any typhoons. Why, why is that? Well, for southern China, again, there's uh, what we call the tropical region, which uh, protects us uh, against uh, the intrusion of uh, the typhoons, so that uh, the, uh, there are less typhoons uh, coming, to, uh, coming to us in this September. But, but the hot weather, is it because of the, uh, of the strong typhoons, or is it because of a bigger issue of climate change? Um, it's mainly because of uh, what I call the subtropical ridge, which is a high-pressure area, so that uh, we're under its protection, so that there appears some fine weather and uh, hot weather. So it appears that uh, this is certainly going to be the hottest September on record, if there have been more hot days than in previous Septembers already. Uh, yes. Uh, the um, uh, average uh, temperature of this month, this September, right now up to the 26th of uh, September is uh, 29.7 degrees Celsius. Uh, it's said to be the highest because in the previous records it's just uh, 29 degrees only in a couple uh, in a few years. So that uh, we are said to be the hottest September uh, for this uh, year. And also the number of hot days and hot nights should be the highest. And it feels like we've had very little rain this month. Uh, yes, this month uh, uh, or for this year, basically we expect uh, to have a below normal to, to normal rainfall. It turns out to be the situation. But then I have to point out, uh, rainfall is a very large spatial variability. So, for example, in the last month, uh, the, uh, um, the rainfall record, normally we take that at the Hong uh, Observatory headquarters at Tim Sajoy, and then it's uh, below normal. But then in the new territories, in the northern part of new territories, that can be very large, reaching somewhere like 600 uh, millimeters, so that uh, um, uh, there's a greater spatial variability in terms of rainfall. Over a price, uh, even though rather small, like Hong Kong. Uh, yes, yes, because especially when we're talking about sort of thundery weather and thundery showers, they can affect uh, one area, like you say, the Northern New Territories. Yes, I, I think they have had a lot uh, this month, haven't they, Where, whereas other parts of the Territory haven't. Uh, yes, and then I don't have uh, the statistics with me, but then uh, uh, 
uh, it turns out uh, in the lo- uh, in new territories there are quite uh, some isolated uh, localized heavy rain and thunderstorms uh, over there uh, in this period so that uh, um, rainfall record is something uh, more difficult to count. So in these uh, very hot weather uh, conditions do you offer any advice uh, for the public about uh, about how to cope with it? I think uh, the most important thing is uh, really to look for the places uh, with well ventilated uh, instead of closing yourself in a, in a sort of a closed area and also uh, beware of heat stroke and also take waters and then the, if you're outdoor the, and you, if you feel uncomfortable and look for the shaded areas. I think uh, that's something that people know quite well. But then uh, there are some additional advice about the health conditions, uh, how they may deteriorate further. Uh, under very hot weather. So that has been included in our latest version of the precautionary measures for the very hot weather warning so that uh, people uh, are encouraged to make reference for that. Yeah, because when the outside temperature reaches a certain level, it's actually difficult for the body to cool down, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, And of course, um, hiking is a very popular activity, increasingly popular activity in Hong Mm. Kong, especially with uh, people not being able to travel so much uh, these days. So is it a good idea to go out hiking uh, if there's a very hot weather warning? or is it necessary to take special precautions like you mentioned, you know, water, hat and so on? Yeah, that's the, uh, the, the normal practice and then drink more water and also avoid uh, staying under the, the exposed area for a long period of time and we recommend to perform outdoor activities in the morning or late afternoon. In fact, uh, I would like to introduce our surface, our latest surface. There's a website uh, called the Hong Kong Hiking Trials Weather Surface and then the, it provides uh, the weather information over the, uh, the major hiking trials in Hong Kong up to next seven days. You can choose your particular route and then they will give you the regular forecast in the next seven days and so that you can make reference to the temperatures and also the weather conditions from that website. So, um, Mr. Chan, uh, looking back uh, in the last nine months, uh, is uh, this year hotter than the last previous years? Do you have any statistics on that? And do you think that um, you know Hong Kong will get hotter and hotter in the future? Um, for this year, still uh, we have uh, three months to go, so that uh, it's uh, still difficult to conclude. Uh, but then, uh, according to our weather forecast uh, for this year, uh, as issued earlier, in, uh, for example, in March, uh, and then uh, we uh, consider that uh, the temperature uh, in Hong Kong will be normal to above normal for this year, and it's said to be the one of the uh, amount of the, high, the 10 highest uh, temperature records uh, in the year is said to be the like this. Uh, that's our forecast. So um, still we have to wait for the next three months to, so that we can conclude about uh, the temperature situations. Um, uh, for longer term weather situation or climate conditions in Hong Kong, and then uh, I think there's a couple of things. One is about the climate change. I think there's a global issue. So Hong Kong is not, no exception. And second is about urbanization. So um, we normally we take the, the temperature record at observatory headquarters in the urban areas as the basis for uh, starting the long term temperature trend in Hong Kong. And then uh, in this area, it's undergoing urbanization so that uh, in the recent 20 years or 30 years or so, basically the rise in temperature is uh, steeper compared with the longer term trend uh, back to the summer 83 when the observatory was just over. So that uh, in the recent years, still, uh, really, that's uh, the effect of the climate change and also the urbanization that gives rise to a more steeper rise in the temperature. That's Chan Pak Wai, the Assistant Director of the Observatory, speaking to Jim Gold and Ada Wong on Tuesday's Back Chat.
Well, as we just heard, climate change will continue to have an impact on the soaring temperatures here, and we should really try to do our part in helping to tackle climate change, or at least not make it worse, even when we're in difficult situations such as undergoing hotel quarantine. So what can we do to reduce the amount of waste we produce when we're stuck in a hotel room? That was something Marcy Trentlong discussed with Dana Winograd from Plastic Free Seas, who just finished her two-week quarantine. Marcy first asked her if she came up with a good way to deal with all those meals delivered in disposable plastic containers during her quarantine. Oh, it was it is crazy, and it's everybody's awful. aware of it. It is um, so. What what I did, of course, is wash all of my containers, trying to use as little amount of water as possible. And a tip here, I found that even better than um, washing up detergent was the bar of soap that they gave you for, for washing your hands. I found that cut the grease uh, even better than the dishwashing liquid. So if you're finding it hard to, to wash some of those oily containers, try your hand soap. But I washed every container, let it dry, and I stacked them up, and they will be recycled, properly recycled um, at the end. So that's one thing, of course, so now, everybody wait a can minute. do. They're going to be recycled because you're taking them out and you're taking it to a community green station or a recycling point, not because the hotel is recycling it, correct? Exactly. But I am working on speaking with hotels and recyclers about how we can put them together and get this done. There are restrictions from the government on what they can do with the stuff that's coming out of hotel rooms. So it's it's really challenging. I recommend that people just handle it themselves if they can and taking it to a, a Green Act community collection point, which is easy to find on, on the government's website. There's not that much to do in quarantine, so you definitely have no excuse. <laughs> exactly. You have time to just wash up after yourself. So it's not really a problem. One of the problems, the, the other big problem is food waste. I was lucky. I had really decent food, but a lot of people have almost what looks like inedible food. So what they're doing is they're just throwing it right away. What I do encourage is that people don't just throw away the food, wash the container. I know you're not happy, but there's so much food waste as it is. Let's not add to it with the plastic containers as well. Now, some some hotels are using biodegradable containers like bagasse or fiber, other fibers, paper boards. These can also be handled um, by Millmill, the liquid carton recycler. So don't necessarily just throw those away either. They're they're great. They're not made from plastic, but they can be recycled as a paper product. But again, you have to take it to a community green station. So can you maybe put that on your website or something? Because it's very confusing what you can send to Mill Mill and what you can't. Yes. Well, I'm just working on basically five tips for, you know, reducing your environmental impact while in quarantine. So that will be shared widely through social media and on our website very soon. So it will be there. Definitely. Great. And then I had a friend, Sabina Wong, who's active on Facebook and in the quarantine group, and she had suggested ordering a Brita water filter rather than using the plastic water bottles. What do you, what do you think of that or any other ideas? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I brought my own Brita water filter. We had an extra one. So I brought that in and I've actually passed it on to somebody else in quarantine now. And that will hopefully keep going down a chain that will definitely reduce the use, use of water bottles. One special thing to note, most of your consumables or your disposable items in the hotel guest room will be disposed of in the rubbish bin after you leave. So if you are going to bring a Brita filter, then let the hotel know ahead of time so they don't put plastic water bottles in your room. Now, if you don't, you can also 
fit an on tap filter on if you want so that they're quite easy as well that's another option and if you are really stuck on wanting to use bottled water i recommend that you bring your own large bottles of water or even get a carboy like from from watson's or vitasoy or whoever banaqua you can get one of those big you know 12 or 18 liter bottles that are refillable so you return it back and get your deposit back so i would do that before, you know, again, consuming the small bottles of water. All right. And the key is to tell the hotel in advance that you don't need those water bottles. Otherwise, Absolutely. they're just going to throw them away, which would be sad. Right. So I came out of the hotel with a case of water bottles, which I'm going to have to find uh, the best place to distribute them. You know, a company that is actually maybe for the homeless or, you know, some charity that has to use water bottles. I'm going to pass those on Be and instruct them that they need to recycle them as well. So it was unfortunate that I didn't realize this beforehand. I think you stayed at Sheridan Four Points, right? Near the airport. And I did, did. Did they have any reuse, reduce, recycle initiatives while you were in quarantine? Well, I mean, they had the usual, um, which is great. And uh, the shampoo and soap dispensers in the shower so that you didn't have to use the little bottles, which was excellent. I did hear from somebody who came in a few days after I did that they got a few big bottles of water instead of a lot of small bottles of water. So that's at least a step in the right direction. But I did speak with the hotel um, since I left, actually during my stay and after I left, and they are working on some fabulous initiatives. So they are actually switching to reduce their plastic waste. They are switching away from plastic containers to um, compostable biodegradable containers. So that is one step that they're taking. And the other thing is that they're looking at how to stop using their plastic bags. So they have to use a bag. So they're looking at an alternative, whether that's the water soluble or the biodegradable bags, but they're looking for something to reduce these bags that are just definitely not good for the environment, you know, your traditional plastic bags. So they are trying to solve those problems at the moment. They're doing a great job, I have to say. Oh, well, it's, you know, the key is that they're trying and hopefully maybe if they solve a few things, they can talk to a few other hotels about it. Um, well, that's the other thing that I did speak to them about is I will try and speak to the hotel association and put them together, um, get all these 30 hotels together to share best practices and um, let's make this just better for all the hotels. But one thing I want to reiterate with the with the disposal of all consumables left over in the room, it's not just water bottles you have to think about. It's everything. It's all the if you get tea and coffee sachets if you get um all your toiletries anything that is uh, consumable and you don't use it it will end up getting thrown away so my recommendation to hotels first of all is that they put a minimal amount in the room and have it available upon request the same goes for the lovely add-ons like yoga mats and stretchy you know weight bearing um exercise things you know they're putting them in hotel rooms. If you have it, take it with you and maybe pass it on to somebody else. But I'm actually recommending to hotels, make them available on request. Don't just put them in the rooms because not everybody's using them. So there's, we have, there are a lot of solutions that we can look into to reduce the amount of waste coming out of these quarantine hotel rooms. And then you mentioned about the compostable biodegradable plastics. Was that it? That Yes. And, and so there's a bit of controversy around that, right? Is whether, which yes. is better? Well, it's the problem is, of course, Hong Kong has a huge waste to landfill problem. And right now we don't have a 
uh, feasible and scalable way of handling compostable packaging. Our organic waste treatment facility at Opark doesn't accept it. So the big question is, I'm still sending this stuff to landfill. Is that better? It's not a fossil fuel based product, so it's definitely better from that point of view, but it's not solving our waste problem. We really need that organic waste treatment facility that will accept this material. So that's what we, you know, there, that's what we need to push for. We need to push the government on a, a much more holistic system for our organic waste. That's Dana Winograd, the operations director and co-founder of Plastic Free Seas, speaking on Trash Talk. And now here's a treat for Beethoven fans out there. One hour and ten minutes of symphonies, piano concertos and string quartets by one of the most influential composers of Western music. The Bond Man, presented by the City Chamber Orchestra of Hong Kong, is a story of Beethoven's battle with deafness, as told by his assistant. The actor, singer and composer Michael Sand, who is playing the assistant at the performance today, spoke to Phil Whelan on our Morning Group program on Monday. I'm a big Beethoven fan and um, yes, I was very lucky to get this role for Ferdinand Ries. What do you have to do? Tell me about theatricals and lines and all that stuff. Yes, well, um, I'm playing the piano. I'll be playing the Moonlight Sonata, which is wonderful, um, especially in context of the love story. I'll also be singing, an, singing a, a, a sort of a lesser-known baritone aria, which is nice, called Mit Maiden sich vertragen. And uh, I remember many years ago, mm-hmm. I think, our long-departed dear friend Michael Rippon singing some of those in a concert, and I remember thinking at the time, well, this is a bit rare, nobody's ever heard of these, it's just a Beethoven song. Was these, mm. Were these pieces that perhaps he would have written for gigs, like salon yes, gigs th- or whatever? I, yes, I think he wrote a lot of these kind of pieces at the beginning of his career, right. and um, I think it was very hard for him to carry on writing sung pieces, especially as he went deaf. I know he agonized for 10 years writing his opera, Fidelio. Oh, yeah. Um, although Fidelio, I, it's quite interesting because it's, it's, it's sort of journeys his own personal life going deaf as well. I, I wonder if more and more the music reflected, as with other guys who've had afflictions, creatives, you know, I wonder if it mm. reflected more and more of what was going on inside his head the more profound the deafness came. Yes, I definitely think so. I'm very t- moved and touched by Leanne's uh, script um, as an actor and then hearing it in context of the music, um, particularly like she talks about there's a, a slow movement in this fourth piano concerto where it really sounds like the orchestra and the piano are in separate worlds. And, um, wow. That's, yeah. yeah, it really it really enhances, it shows that he, how lonely he ended up really becoming. What about the stories about his temper? I mean, you know, it's two and two <laughs> equals 22 here. The guy can't hear, he's frustrated. He's got this amazing muse that he wants to get out, but obviously he can't hear it. Mm. To your, to your, in your opinion, do you think the stories of the, the tempestuous temper are, are true? Yes, well, I think that's probably the most historically accurate part of the story, because we okay. have a lot of sources to say how, how frustrated... He was a nightmare to work for, yes. <laughs> Apparently, by the Ninth Symphony, um, he was completely deaf, basically. He couldn't hear anything, but yeah. he was very prone to 
passionate outbursts. So by the Ninth Symphony, he insisted on being on the stage and indicating the tempo. And um, he was apparently so deaf, he wasn't even able to hear the finish of the con. He didn't hear that the concert even finished. Right. And um, the, the applause broke out and he was still thumbing through his score. He had to eventually, he only eventually turned around and I guess he looked at the giant applause. Oh, oh I've finished. Yes. <laughs> it's um, really cool um, as a theatrical device when the story is told through the eyes and the experiences of a lesser character. I mean, obviously we saw this in Amadeus and it really worked there. Mm. So it's told through the eyes of your fellow. Why don't you tell me about him? Yes, Ferdinand Ries. Well, he, unlike Salieri, Salieri has a much more jealous streak to well, him. Well, in, in the play he does, the word is, he was a pretty decent bloke. I don't know if it's yeah, true oh, or not. Oh, that's true, of course. Yeah, Amadeus maybe highlights that. My, in my character, Ferdinand Ries is much more... Um, much, much more caring and almost has a brotherly love, love relationship with Beethoven. Okay. He knew him since he was a, uh, a little boy. Because, you see, Beethoven was actually um, my father, or Ferdinand Ries's father, Franz Ries, taught mm. Beethoven. Okay. So my character, um, in reality, followed Beethoven throughout his entire life. So he's a very good indicator of... of um, of going through Beethoven's life, starting it starts off very happily, you know, but the 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 losing, the yeah, deafness yeah, yeah. and the concerned friend, he it, it's really highlighted in this play. Does do you get does Reese's music come into this at all, or was it all Beethoven? It's all Beethoven. Ferdinand Reese did write a lot of music. Yeah. I'm, I was quite shocked to see, but it's not well known at all today. It's not part of repertory. Yeah. Because I think it would be the obvious thing to do for a playwright to sneak in a bit of the music of the person <laughs> who is, like, the the uh, narrator. But it's really rather cool not to, if you think about it. Because it's a bit yeah. obvious, isn't it, to do it? I think so, I think so. And really the focus is Beethoven. And Beethoven, unlike uh, the other pieces like Vivaldi and Bach, where Mozart is actually there on stage telling his story, we don't have Beethoven on stage. No. The only character of Beethoven we have is his music. So it's... Um, that's wonderful. I, I, that really, yeah. that really is just that bit different that it really works, right? I think so. I'm very excited for this concert. Okay. Um, what, yes. what, what's what I mean, I don't know if you've got your notes in front of you. What what, mm -hmm. what pieces are the are the orchestra playing? Which bits and pieces that we can yes. look forward to? Yes. Well, the pe they'll be playing pieces of mo a lot of his symphonies: the Third Symphony, Eroica, mm -hmm. uh, obviously the Ninth Symphony, the Eighth, mm -hmm. and uh, there'll be a, a lot of um, you know, even smaller sections. We'll do also a string quartet. Um, I'm just looking at my list here of all the songs they're doing. It's just colour all the way through, right? I mean, in immediately you think of Beethoven, you go, oh, symphonies. But now you've just brought up string quartets. Oh, really? His string quartets mm -hmm. are good? Yeah, they're really cool. And we're going to play some of them for you, sort of thing. Oh, stellar. They're wonderful. Yeah, I think this is this would be a great concert for anyone who is not familiar with Beethoven, because they'll hear the main canon, you know, the big hits, the number, uh, the fifth <laughs> symphony, da 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 da. Yeah. But I think they'll also hear some works they haven't heard of. That's Micah Sand, who is starring in The Bond Man, that will be performed twice today at City Hall's Concert Hall. Finally, to close this week on three, I leave you with a bit of Steve James and his afternoon drive on Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend.
Brave, versatile, sensible, adorable, happy. The Steve James Afternoon Drive. I don't think that's the strategy we want to use anymore. On Radio 3. Oh, the factories may be roaring with the boom a lack zoom a lack wee But there isn't any roar when the clock strikes four. Everything stops for tea. Oh, they may be playing football and the crowd is yelling, kill the referee. But no matter what the score when the clock strikes four, everything stops for tea. Tea break this afternoon, taking us back to 1972. This day, it's when Motown Records released the Temptations version of Papa Was a Rolling Stone. It was written by Norman Whitfield and Barrett Strong in 1971. The Temptations version of the song was a huge number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100, and it won three Grammy Awards in 1973. The song had originally been recorded by Motown Recording Act, The Undisputed Truth, We Are Sticking With Temptations, and Papa Was a Rolling Stone. It was the 3rd of September That day I'll always remember Yes, I will Cause there was the day That my daddy died I never got a chance to see him Never heard nothing but bad things about him Mama, I'm depending on you To tell me the truth Mama just hung her head and said, son Papa was a rolling stone
Mama looked up with a tear in her eye and said, son, well, 